What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of The Fiends Podcast. I am your host, Larry, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick. And we are one half of the band Fiends. If you want to check out our music, you can find us on all major streaming platforms. Just type in Fiends Nervous Wreck or Fiends Witch House. It'll bring up our first two EPs and you can check it out and let us know what you think. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, as I imagine it probably is because of our guest today, I want to let you guys know that you can follow us on social media. That's facebook.com slash the fiends podcast, Instagram at the fiends podcast, or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can find the video version of this podcast posted every single Friday, or you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our guest today, he helped us break down the AEW Revolution pay-per-view, which was this past uh, Sunday. And we had such a great time doing that that I, I, we felt like we just needed to do, do it again this week. And honestly, that's probably like our funniest episode that we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I had a great time. Yeah, so without further ado, you know this guy, he's the drummer from the side of Impact. He's been in countless other bands uh, over the years. He's a guy that's been around as long as we have. You're talking about like 12, 13 years. So we've known each other from our most humblest of beginnings. So everybody, welcome to the show, Hector Perales. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> Dude, like, for real, like, uh, thank you for coming back and doing the show. It was, it was really fun last week. Oh, no problem. I loved Long it. Long time no see. <laughs> I know. Just... I've been looking forward to this since the last podcast. Same, bro. Uh, so last week, you told a great story about Buff Bagwell, <laughs> and uh, it's one of the best stories I've ever heard. And so that brings me to... Uh, our newest segment on the show, and it's something that I like to call Tales from the Airport. Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. You ever been in a cockpit before? So this week I met Gangrel, <laughs> a.k.a. person who has the greatest theme song I've ever heard in my yeah. whole life. Yeah, that, that's accurate. Okay, one third of the brood. Yes. Yeah. 33% of the brood, to be exact. Do you think Gangrel, like, was mad when the Queen of the Damn movie came out because they totally ripped him off? Because they didn't ask him to be in it? <laughs> because they didn't ask him to be Lestat? They're like, I'm Lestat. They're like, no, you're Le Fat. <laughs> <laughs> what was he even doing, like, in town? Okay, so, uh, him, also, like, Buff Bagel was here for, like, a, like a, a comic book signing, things like that. So... I just got back from the gate again, had a horrible delay, I think like like an hour and a half, and I'm walking back to the counter, I'm pissed off, I have my illuminescent vest in my right hand clenched, I'm walking back, I don't want anyone to talk to me, and then I look at the kiosk, and I see someone who is jacked, <laughs> so I automatically, every time I see someone that's jacked, I'm like, that's a guy, that guy, he's a wrestler. If not, he should be a wrestler. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just look at him and think about what his wrestling name would be, things like that, you know what I mean? So I look at him, and then I see, like, these blue eyes. And I'm at this point, I'm, like, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm, I'm drowning in these guys' eyes, right? He was a, lo- he was a lost boy. <laughs> and, then I, and then I see, like, bl- a blonde ponytail, like, popping out the back of a baseball cap, right? And then he turns, and when he turns, I see the gang girl cross on his face mask. 
and I can see him about to ask a question to one of my coworkers. And at that point, I didn't care. I shoved her, like, <laughs> straight. Like, not not even, like, a nice, I get out of the way, please. I'm trying to work here. Push her out of the way. And he's like, oh, I just had a question. Like, um, uh, is this seat still available? And I'm like, oh, I'll check for you. He's like, oh, don't even worry about it. I'm like, honestly, I just want to shake your hand. Like, I, I legit looked him straight in the face. Like, man to man was like, sir, can I just shake your hand, please? Sir, I will do anything <laughs> for you. You like, don't understand what you mean to me. Just let me know where you want to sit on this aircraft, and you will sit there. You will sit there. You want to sit with the captain? Yeah. You you're, you're, the, you're the captain you're now. You're the captain now. <laughs> sir, this man is in coach. He needs to be upgraded. <laughs> What what's better than co- what's first the class? first, first class? class. Yeah. Is, is there a level above first class? A private jet. <laughs> Your own. This plane? man needs a private jet. Can we get a private? No, sir. We cannot. So I I honestly like I swear to God I looked at my home. I just want you to know that I think you have the greatest theme song I've ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> and like I I'm I'm not even like holding my punches here. Like with Buff Bagwell, I was like you know a little bit more like reserved. Then again, it was also five in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, this time it's a little bit later. It's around eleven. Or, it's around ten or eleven. So at this point, I'm just like fanboy hard, sir. I think you're great. You're the greatest theme song I've ever heard in my whole life. I wish I could play it right now, just so we could walk somewhere together. You know what I mean? So he's just gonna. You're like, in, in fact, I can. Let me get my phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not busy, are you? No. And what's what's what made me more upset is that the coworker that I shoved was like, who was that? Like, why were you so happy? Why, hey, Hector, why were you talking to that vampire over there? Yeah. So, so I, I like... Why are you I talking w- to that guy with that goblet? So I, kind of weird. So I wait for Gengar to leave so he's not disrespected, right? <laughs> and and I look at her, and I'd be like, I'm about to educate you right now, right? I pull out my phone, search, like, Gengar, the br- gothic entrance on YouTube. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, dude, this guy's a vampire. <laughs> right, before he's a wrestler, he's a vampire. And he wears... A puffy shirt. Yeah. Yeah. From so, Seinfeld. So so I, I, I'm showing her this this entrance, right? And I'm expecting her to be like, what? No way. <laughs> so she looks at it and she's like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and I, at this point, I was like, I should shove you again <laughs> just, just for that. But yeah, so. Uh, I just work with idiots. <laughs> but yeah, so the point is I got to hang out with a young girl. I told them that you know greatest theme song ever i told him that i told that i told people on a podcast that he had the greatest theme song ever <laughs> like cut like a couple days ago then that's when he told me that he had he was in town for the the signing that he did that rock and roll james podcast guys i feel a rant coming on mr james mr rock i have a great immense uh, respect for you in fact most people would probably say that I've modeled my entire adult life uh, around you. I, too, go to bed with a bandana and designer jeans on. Um, It's always been my dream to be in the biggest country rock band in the RGB. That's loosely the origins of Fiends, right? So, okay, I can't be the biggest country rock band, so I guess we'll do the metal thing. That's fine. Stay in my lane. Whatever. But my other dream was to interview Marcus Buff Bagwell. And then I find out that he goes on the hashtag PBT podcast. And then Hector comes on this podcast, the Fiends podcast, and says, 
Gangrel has the greatest wrestling theme of all time. And then a couple days later, he's on the Rock and Roll James podcast. What does Rock and Roll James know about the food? What does Rock and Roll James know about the new... Is Rock and Roll James going to ask the tough question? Is Rock and Roll James going to ask Gangrel what it was like to return in 2004 on a random ass episode of SmackDown teaming with Vistra to take on The Undertaker as JBL's master plan? Probably not. No, he's not. He doesn't remember that. Is he going to ask Buff Bagwell what it was like to be a male gigolo a few years ago? No. So, sir, with all due respect, um, I'm asking you, please... Leave the old late '90s pro wrestling interviews to the Fiends podcast. I feel like if anybody deserves to do it, it's it's us. It's me. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. It's not even like us. It's you. I agree. <laughs> and, it and, should just be you. Yeah. Uh, all these things said, I mean, like, I don't even think that they're coincidence. I think that these are intentional. I think he's uh, threatened by my vast uh, wrestling knowledge and he's uh, threatened by our growing numbers on this podcast yeah nobody's gonna interview Virgil before me that's true so sir nobody's gonna interview Virgil period yeah, period. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so I'm sorry I, I did not mean to uh, interrupt your story I just wanted to put that out there because I think that Rock and Roll James is uh threatened by our podcast that's it oh that's cool that was my story i think you ended it the perfect way Mm -hmm. so thank you for that i should be thanking you yeah i guess we should probably that was a great story by the way thank you um and we will definitely uh feature more of these stories on tales from the airport um we should probably shift gears because there's just so much music talk of course that we've known you for such a long time Mm -hmm. i mean um i definitely want to talk uh, the side of impact yeah because uh you've showed us some of the stuff that you've uh guys have been working on i think it's like a huge step, step up dude it's that's a the, yeah, the song mean, you showed me is a game changer for you guys you guys were good to begin with and i think you all are even better you know for the stuff that hasn't even been released so yeah um i think that'd be good to talk about what you guys are doing but i also think that it'd be good to talk about like where you started from so uh if it's okay with you we'll go ahead and play um the latest single from the side of impact and then after that uh we'll talk more music we'll yeah. talk about our origins so let's uh let's go in and throw it to the most recent single side of impact this song is called venom and we'll be back with more the fiends podcast <laughs> Come 
we are back on the Fiends podcast. We're here with Hector from the side of Impact. And uh, I just showed, before we started recording, I just sh- showed you this flyer. Uh, this has to be, I don't know, like circa 2008? Eight or nine. Eight or nine. Yeah. Eight or nine. And this is a flyer from <laughs> Burn This Day Productions, <laughs> putting on a show at the Chandelier in San Benito. And uh, I'm just going to run through the the lineup, which some of these names might ring a bell for some of you. Some of you might not know what the hell we're talking about. But uh, <laughs> this, is, this show is headlined by Dead Thoughts Run Red. That's a band from Corpus, right? They were from Corpus or Kingsville? Kingsville, somewhere in that area. Uh, Diversify. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. As the Bodies Fall. Unrisen Pain. The Plea of Ariel. And Gunside. (laughs) What do you know about Gunside, man? More than I'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) Was was that your first band? That was my first band. (laughs) Ever. That was my first anything having to do with music. Um... So basically, I, honestly, I don't even know how I even joined that band. <laughs> I don't even know how that band came to be. Where, I, where were you all based out of? Far. Far. Okay. Far. So and were you all, all in the same grade? No, I was the youngest one. I was a freshman. Okay. Dude, they used to call you the kid. They used to yeah. call me the kid. That's, yeah. That, yeah. I, I, we <laughs> That's all, how we, I knew you. Yeah, guys. we all used to call you kid. Like kid. Larry, Larry was always like. Remember kid? Yeah, kid. You know, Gunside, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. And you're like, and that's like, not my name. Like, <laughs> it's like. And then he's like, yeah, his name's Hector. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, like, so I got a drum set when I was about 12 years old, honestly, because, and this is like, I, I swear to God, this is a true story. I had I had an obsession with Drumline, the Nick Cannon movie. Oh, yeah. Halftime <laughs> is game time. And my grandparents would see me watching that movie all the time. So at first, they bought me my first pair of drumsticks, and I guess they just got tired of me, like, breaking things around the house just trying you know to play a beat on them i got my first drum set and then after that i kind of i didn't really take drumming seriously it was just something that i would do in my grandma's bathroom because mm-hmm. my grandma has a heart-shaped bathroom in her heart-shaped bathtub in her bathroom <laughs> like not even joking and it's the only place that my drum set would fit yeah so whenever i wanted to play drums i had to lock myself in my grandma's bathroom and play drums and man Honestly, dude, shout out to every single person that lived in my house at that time because I was so shitty. And I would play drums for hours in this bathroom. (laughs) There's no muffling. There's no nothing. So everyone in that house heard me play drums for multiple hours at a time. So my family was a shit for that. And then when I got into high school, literally I was a freshman in high school. I was waiting to be picked up outside. And I meet Dan, who's a singer of Gunside, who's now in uh, Red Hour. So check them out because Dan's a really cool guy. And he's like, hey, man, I heard you play drums. And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. yeah, of course I do. Of course I do. Bro. Of course I play drums, man. Have he's you like, heard of the Rev? <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah, do you want to be in a band? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Duh. Like, sign me up, bro. <laughs> so, and that was it. After that, he gave me his number. He gave me his address. He told me to show up at his house at like, on like Friday at like 6 and I was like, okay. And this is the first time I ever met Dan. I don't even know his last name at this point. I just know that I'm going to bound with this dude and I'm going to be at his house on Sunday. <laughs> so then I go to his house on Sunday and it's me. It's this guy named Mario who was then in, he, after Gunsight, he joined Era Divide. And the other guitarist, which was Daniel. And then we had a bass player at the time. No, we didn't have a bass player at the time. It was just us, th- us four. And that was Gunsight. And that was how we started. Were all of y'all listening to the same stuff? 
or did you? Because I mean, from what I can recall, it was kind of like more metalcore based. Super. Yeah. And so that's why I liked you guys too, because we were doing the metalcore thing, and not a lot of bands were. Yeah. So I figured we all kind of liked the same shit. But I mean, were you already into that kind of stuff, or was that a matter of they kind of introduced you to some bands, and then it was just kind of a clusterfuck of whatever y'all all y'all liked? So. Honestly, at the time, my favorite band was Event Sevenfold, mm. and like, n- like I loved Event Sevenfold. I loved Waking the Fallen is probably one of the best metalcore albums of all time, bro. Like, I know like Event Sevenfold like gets a lot of shit, but like they were such a big gateway band, especially at the time for for people who wanted to get into music. Like, you, there's so many stories like that of like the Rev. Like, I became a drummer because of the Rev, not me, but like. There's yeah, people yeah. Or like or like uh, Sinister Gates like you know so, like anybody so like but that time that's probably what 2008 2009 yeah, 2008, 2009 so I mean at that point well fuck I mean City of Evil had already come out yeah. so it was like was it the White Album that came out at that time with probably Almost Easy yeah, and almost Afterlife, easy and Afterlife. Critical, uh, critical Acclaim yeah critical acclaim, so that's, yeah. A, that's a really good album actually but I mean so like so that's cool because so, I mean you were into that stuff when they were like they kind of ditched the metalcore stuff yeah by that point. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So okay. that I want to say, I mean, that was probably our biggest influence. I know Mario, the guitar player, that was like his favorite band. He had the Sinister Gates signature oh, guitar. Man. That's right. He's the guy with the glasses and long hair, right? That was Daniel. Okay, never mind. Yeah, but no, yeah, Mario had the had the the Sinister Gates custom Schecter guitar. Nice. And yeah, dude, it was Avenged Sevenfold, Bullet for a Valentine. Yeah. Um, just bands like that, and that was really like. All we wanted to do was make songs like that, um, and to be like completely honest, I had I didn't know anything about playing drums. Yeah, like I did not know. Oh, me either. Yeah, I say, I, did Larry. Yeah, like, <laughs> I did. I did not know. I learned last year. <laughs> like I didn't know how to keep a beat. I didn't even know how to set up my drums. So were you? You were self-taught, basically. Yeah, I was self-taught. Um, were you in like uh, like marching band or anything like that? Nothing. So yeah. So honestly, Daniel showed me how to play a breakdown. And, and of course, uh, uh, Nick Cannon. Yeah, and Nick Cannon. <laughs> Dude, you know what's yeah. so funny like about breakdowns is like, I feel like when it came to us, it's like I was the one like trying to like come up with breakdowns <laughs> yeah. for Chino and Rolly because like we just, we never just could like get it. So like, then it got to the point where like, we were like, oh, okay. So like, I never had to like write <laughs> breakdowns again. <laughs> no, yeah, like. So we're we're at a and I'll never forget we were at, we would practice in Dan's garage, and he's like, all right, man, you gotta play a breakdown, and I was like, dude, what what the fuck is a breakdown? I was like, what's a breakdown, dude? He's like, yeah, man, you just gotta go, you gotta go really slow. You gotta <laughs> you gotta half time on the cymbal, then you you what you, the fuck you, is half time? Yeah, you kick the bass drum, and I'm like, half of what? We don't even have a song. Like like, what do you want? I don't understand. So he literally like got behind my kid and showed me like, this is what a breakdown sounds like. like and literally that that changed my whole that changed my whole life did it just blow your mind <laughs> yeah because yeah. after that then we got really into sea of treachery that was like my favorite band for like a year at daggers drawn is one of the best metalcore albums of all time so yeah like and that that was literally how gunside started and here's a fun drinking game take a shot every time hector drops an obscure deathcore band from the late 2000s <laughs> But you know what's funny is like a lot of the metalcore bands around that time, 
had some of the best breakdowns. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, It Dies Today had some oh, of the fuck coolest yeah. fucking breakdowns of, like, any band. <laughs> and, like, people, like, forget about that. And then, like, of course, like, 18 Visions, Tower of Snakes has one of the best breakdowns of all yeah. time, too. Like, so, As I Lay Dying. As I Lay Dying has some badass shit. Unearth had some cool fucking breakdowns. Man, we should do a whole podcast just about metalcore bands. Just, yeah. For, like, that's just, for another day. I, I gotta I gotta jump in here and, mm-hmm. and ask you the, the tough questions. The questions that Rock and Roll James is afraid to ask. <laughs> and 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 the biggest one is uh what is gunside? Oh my god. Is that like death by guns? Dude, I, so like, it wasn't that like Angel's MySpace. Was it? <laughs> yes, Dude, yes. So like, I, I remember that MySpace yeah, yeah, yeah. like artwork is just two it fucking was two guns. guns. Like, yeah, honestly, like where did who came up with that? Do you even know? Uh, yes. And I uh, so originally the band was gonna be called A Not. A A in brackets. Okay. Not. Like Slipknot? Yeah. And oh. I was like and I we were in we were like I said, we, I was in high school at the time. I was a freshman and these guys were juniors and seniors. So like I never got to we never had the same schedule, so we would hang out after school. And Daniel was like, Yeah, dude, I got I got the sickest idea, man. We're gonna name the band A Not, and I was like, "Fuck no, we're not." <laughs> what does that mean, dude? It's a not, dude. Hon- I, honestly, I I don't know. It, it was like something about like, yo, the brackets, like it could be like many things, bro. You know? They're Slipknot, yeah. But we're A Not, yeah, yeah. Like we're not limited to just the knots that are the slip type. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was just like, I was like, that's like no, dude, that's not. Like, that's not a good idea. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> that's not, not <laughs> a good idea. You're get so 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 yeah. So I remember that was like, and for like, I remember for a long time he was like pushing that, and I was like, bro, fuck no, no. like never. And then we were like I said, we were outside. Then we went to his house, and we're talking like, dude, what about Gunside? And I was like, Gunside. That's better I'm than like, I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean, like Gunside, like the sight of a gun? He's like, nah, man. You know how you have like homicide. And you have like suicide, like it's like gunside, bro, like death by gun. <laughs> and at the, again, I'm at this time I'm like 14. Yeah. I'm like, like fuck is- yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's fucking no. badass. Yeah, bro. because even I was like gunside. That's kind of cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and but like the, the thing I remember is like on the MySpace profile, like somebody whoever operated it, I think if I'm not mistaken. They wrote gun side and what the definition of it was. <laughs> and I was like, makes sense. In case there was any confusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in case so, you were wondering. So yeah, like it was gun side and it was like, yeah, dude, like our logo could have guns. We could have bullets like on t-shirts, like bullet holes, like on our equipment. Marketing like, genius. Like so much stuff to go with the theme. And in my head, I was like, fuck yeah. Like that's a fucking dope ass name. That's edgy, dude. Yeah. I mean, that would never last today. Yeah, what does twenty nine year old Hector think of that name? Oh yeah, I hated it. You're like that's that's not a it's, thing. I hated all of our band names. No, yeah, honestly, means. like yeah, who are we le- to talk, dude? About? At least like "Burn This Day" sounds cool. That could be like a song, an album. What the fuck is Gunside? <laughs> like that's Death not that's not guns, even bro. an actual word. We try to use like other words to make our own like words. It's like in wrestling, suicidal, homicidal, genocidal, gunicidal, sabu. <laughs> gunicidal sabu. No, but yeah. And so yeah, and I was in gunside mostly through all of my all of my mostly all of high school. And 
yeah, I mean, I still talk to Dan sometimes. Um, he's a great guy. I love everyone that was in the band, man. I got no bad blood for any so, of those guys. So the guys that we met, I mean, of course, it was like over 10 years ago. They were all super cool guys. Yeah. Um, this show, this flyer that I showed you, mm-hmm. is that one of your like one of your first like yeah. shows that you ever played? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know how we got those shows. <laughs> I don't even, like, like I told you guys before, like you guys are probably the first people that I ever met through playing music. Yeah. Which and is so strange to hear that. Which is so strange because like we 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 all started very in, in very humble beginnings. Yeah. And then we kinda went separate ways. And I mean you had a lot of success with some of the other bands that you were in, which we'll get into in a minute. But it was cool because every time we would see you at a sh- show, like you always came up to us or we went up to you and like you were always super cool. And so and you've always been very nice. You never had like a big head on your shoulders or anything like that. But it's so funny because I think what happens is like subconsciously we're always like looking back at where we all came from. Yeah. yeah. You know, us playing to empty rooms in San Benito. Yeah. Um <laughs> if if I may, so I feel like this is something that mm-hmm. I haven't spent too much time on, but mm-hmm. uh this show um I guess the backstory of these shows, we've loosely referenced them, but um our previous band, Burn This Day, we played Nick's cousin's graduation party. It was at a place called the Chandelier. It was your typical uh, dance hall for quinceaneras and weddings. And it's it's a place that's downtown San Diego. It's been there forever, as, as you know, is growing still, up. Is it still there? Um, no, no, it's not. No. The, uh, I don't know if it's for sale or what, but they don't do anything there anymore. Dude, we should buy it <clears throat> and no. throw shows there. Dude, have you been downtown San Diego lately? It's... We can bring it back. We can bring the bring back the scene. no, no. no. Um, I don't doubt I can, I can do it. I did it once and I'll do it again. (laughs) No. So, so the story goes, right. Is, is that we play this show, uh, Nick's, uh, cousin's graduation party and the owner comes up to us and, and I guess he liked the idea of having bands. And so he pitches, um, doing a, a, a monthly teen night, maybe like the, the first or second Thursday of every month. And he looked to us to maybe book the bands and he'd give us a cut of the, the door and they charge us something that they could do to get extra revenue on the side. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that you weren't, Nick wasn't too much involved. Yeah, it, like I was not really involved. That's in not your thing. I just, I stayed out of it. It was mostly you and, and my brother. And yeah, Nick's brother. Um, and so we we booked the bands. I <laughs> designed the flyers and I, I actually enjoyed that and um you know we put together you know these shows and we reached out to the band so um yeah i believe this is the first show that we ever did Uh, i don't particularly remember like you know um how we reached out to most of the bands i but the idea the concept of, of doing this show um for context there was no scene in san benito so if if you were around maybe 10 years ago, you may be familiar that they would do shows downtown San Benito at a place called the V. This predates that. This is about like maybe two years before that. Probably uh, like uh, when you first started, it's probably a good three years. Yeah, maybe before. even three years. Yeah. So the idea, the notion that people would actually, because you have to remember that the big music scenes were in McAllen, the VFW. They were all in that like side of the, the valley. valley. Mm-hmm. So... The idea that people would be willing to drive down to San Benito, most some of these people don't even know where San Benito is. You know, they know where Browns was. Mm-hmm. So it was very strange. Like it was very um, ambitious, right? 
Um, but we do the show and like that first show had a very good turnout. And the cool thing is most of those people weren't from the McAllen area. They, it was people from San Benito, people who had never been to a show before, who don't even, some of these people didn't like metal, but maybe they like rock, but like just the idea that there was something to do in this small ass town and they had fun and they, they maybe didn't get like the whole like hardcore scene, but like they had fun. Yeah. And that's what I remember about the show. One of these bands that, that we mentioned as the bodies fall, like everybody got a kick out of that band because they ended their set with the cover of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers song. And it's like the one thing that I still remember from the show. And I remember they had those videos posted on YouTube, on their MySpace, like for the longest time. And, um, you know, it, that was one of the things that people remembered. So, I don't know if you have any memories of that show, or maybe you remember like how other shows from yeah, era. yeah, no. So like, so like I said, like man, it's because like I have no idea how that even happened. Again, like we're a band from far Texas, we hadn't played any shows, period. And for our first show to be in San Benito, <laughs> like literally our first show as a band. Well, we played a battle of the bands, but that's like you know battle of the bands. But yeah, like our first show ever in San Benito. So I remember like I didn't I didn't know how to play a show i guess like i didn't have cases for my drums i didn't have a cymbal bag i w- i left my cymbals on my stands turned them sideways and put them in a trunk literally and i, I got smarter after that I, after the next show i used my my sister's my sister's uh diaper bag there you go. for my nephew i was like hey can i borrow this like for tonight i needed to put my symbols in you know what i mean <laughs> but yeah like i remember Fuck your kid <laughs> like I, I remember going over there and like go, it, was, it was a ballroom like it's pretty yeah, big it's it, a pretty it's, big place it's a decent sized place. yeah it's a pretty big place and like i said like i met you guys I'm, I'm pretty sure it was through your brother that we were able to book that to every to book any show over there I remember meeting you guys. Maybe we should. So that was the other thing is that like Nick's brother would either. I don't know if this was before or after, but he would go on to record your guys like first like EP or like first like demo. Yeah. In Nick's house, like in in his his bedroom. Even that was strange because you guys were like the first band he ever recorded. Yeah. And maybe the last. Yeah. (laughs) yeah because i think shortly thereafter is when he like took off and went to like the military or something or other but yeah like it's just crazy looking back at it because like i've known you guys for so long since i was 14 years old yeah and a lot of those shows a lot of those shows even though they weren't i mean there was like maybe there was a couple people there they weren't bad shows you know what i mean san benito just didn't have a scene and, yeah that's what it was man. but it wasn't like the bands were bad because every show that we played there was was fun you know what i mean like i wouldn't even consider those bad shows like you go to a show i mean people don't know that their shows you know people are not gonna mm-hmm. show up but every single band on that bill was super good i mean like i told you guys i love burn this day and i've told you guys that ever since i've seen you like yeah. at every show that i see nick and larry at i always say yo so they said forever never came <laughs> that was like a lyric to one of their breakdowns and i remember that and I was like, dude, this is the fucking greatest thing I've That's ever heard. Deep cuts. Yeah. I, I wrote that whole song on a Saturday. I remember that. And uh, I think I was listening to like Barrier Dead or something. And I was I got really inspired. So I wrote that song. And then I showed it to everybody in the band and they just learned it. And then that, we would close our set with that song. But yeah, that was one of my favorite that was one of my favorite songs. And then like it's like Unrisen Pain 
and the plea of Ariel, PS I'm Dead, all those bands I thought were super good. Like I said, so Unrisen Pain, for those of y'all that are listening and y'all follow the metal scene, those guys pretty much went on to be in the crawl band back. Crawl Back, but also The Valley. Yes, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, notably Moses and Jamie, and of course Julio filled in for a, one or two shows for Razor, R.I.P. And then I think Julio was in Crawlback too. Yes. So I mean, and those guys have always been super cool too. So I mean, like we all kind of grew up to each with each other. And I mean, um, but yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, don't worry about it. Like I said, man, like there's too there's too much stuff to even talk about to go really into full detail. Yeah, like but, you would need like three episodes. So yeah. w- what would have been? So you're in Gunside. Mm-hmm. You're in there for a few years. Do like, all y'all just like decide to break up at once, or y'all just kind of like? quietly go your own way or? so i think the thing about it was that um dan like i said i was the youngest one in the band these guys were already seniors uh, juniors and seniors dan was going to go off to college um to study like uh if i remember correctly he wanted to make like video games oh cool so he was going to go to like like graphic design things like that mm-hmm. i know the other guys wanted to like to continue keep the band going but at the time like it just wasn't what i wanted to do anymore and like I don't want to say it like to be mean or whatever, but a lo- uh, like I said, those guys still wanted to make like gunside music, and I didn't want to make that type of music anymore. I wanted to make music that was a little bit more heavier, more yeah. more interesting to me. You know what I mean? And like I said, I still got love for all those guys. But yeah, at the end of Gunside, I was just like, look, like um, I want to like pursue like you know making heavy music and things like that, and it's not really something that you guys want to do. Yeah. So I just don't think I don't think it's right mm-hmm. for me. You know what I mean? And then that's when I got to join uh, Dethrone the Tyrant. Yeah, I remember like being so stoked to see Dethrone the Tyrant at the VFW one time. I was like, that might have been like the only time I ever hardcore danced, and I hate hardcore dancing. That is true. That's the only time I ever saw you. Yeah, do I was that. just so fucking stoked. I was like, fuck yeah, dethrone the tyrant. Yeah, uh, and he he wore like the clown mask yeah, too. You remember, remember that? that? Yeah, oh, yeah. so sick. Yeah, but so that's when I joined Dethrone with uh, Manny, who is I believe he's still in Pulsus now. Yeah, and he has yeah. other yeah. stuff. Yeah, dude, Manny, dude, honestly, Manny's just one of the greatest like artists that I've ever gone to share stage with. He's so good. He's so creative. And I got like so much love for that guy. He's been in so many bands. He was in Catharsis. Catharsis. He was in Dethrone the Tyrant. I think he was in a day of ashes for a bit too, which is so funny because like he plays like, yeah, that's just like, that's, I, I would not to sound rude, but I mean like, that's kind of like easy stuff for him to yeah. play considering the shit that he plays now. Dude, you know he can I mean? play anything. Yeah. Like he's, and, just, he's been in a lot of bands and he's been like that since I've met him. Like I said, like when I was in Gunside, not to say that, like, you know, um, we weren't we weren't like talented musicians. Daniel was a really good guitar player. Mars was a good good guitar player. But that time, you're still kind of just copying riffs from bands that you hear. Yeah, man. You I know, because you it's your off. first band. Yeah, yeah, you rip off you know bands, I mean? and it's just it's just, that's what it is. It's 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 blatantly ripping off until you figure it out. Yeah, until you figure out your own stuff. And when I was in Dethrone, like the stuff that the stuff that they were bringing to the table, I was like, bro, I'm not this good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Dude, like. I- yeah, I mean, I remember he- listening to them and like watching them live and like the songs they put out. I'm like, this is like, this is this is deathcore the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. They it- were very like melodic, very a lot of a lot of their guitar parts had really good transition. I think I think that's why I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was very calculated songwriting. Yeah, so uh, dude, honestly, that band just made me a way better drummer, and because I had to practice all the time. 
And so that was that's how I joined Dethroned. And then for Dethroned, it got kind of hard because like I'm from McKellen. At that time, I was still around 17, 16, 17 years old. It was hard for me to drive to Mercedes like like two, three times a week to practice. Yeah, that's rough, man. Um, and yeah, it was just it was getting really hard for me. And I just I couldn't do it, man. They want they wanted to practice about three or four times a week, which I understand. Like the music was really hard, and then they wanted to play more shows and stuff. And like at the time, I didn't have a car. I was still like borrowing cars from like my my aunt, my grandma, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it just became really hard for me to go to Mercedes all the time. And then, did you get to play any like big like shows with them while you were in that band? Um, I mean, we got to play all the V all the VFW yeah. shows. I got to play. Um, like a lock in and like a Peter Piper. I remember that video Dang. on YouTube. I might still be there. I don't know. Yeah. But like, yeah, I remember that. We saw, I, I used to watch that video. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's people there like fucking going off in a Peter Piper's. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. That. And, but I was in the band for, for quite a while, like about a year. And then when I left and they got a uh, Scott, which I think is Manny's cousin to fill, uh, to, I mean, just to take over as drums. And that guy's also a fucking amazing drummer like way better than me i think they sounded way better after me because that guy was just so good and like him and manny just have this chemistry that was insane so yeah like i love that band i love those guys but that was how i joined dethrone how i got out of dethrone and then after that i was in on the nightingale floor so i'm glad we're bringing this up because at least in my head that band i remember being very controversial to some degree (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I remember when they hit, I mean, the few times I saw on the 90 Gill floor, I mean, like, it went off. Like, people yeah. were about it. Um, it was definitely a different attitude. And honestly, like, that band was super controversial. If you look at the guys in that band, you look at me, I have, like, no business being in that band. You know what I mean? Like I said, I don't, like, I don't want to say anything negative or anything like that, but a lot, of the, a lot of those guys were just so different than me. Some of them were older. They like to do a lot of things that I didn't like to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I was like an 18-year-old straight-edge kid from McKellen, Texas. Yeah. You know what I mean? You definitely stuck out like a sore thumb being in that band. No, yeah. Not because of your character, but because you could tell everybody in that band was so much older, or they looked older. A little bit crazy. And they were a little bit more edgy, I guess. Yeah. You know? And so, so what happened is that um, we just wanted to make angry music. And at the time, even to this day, one of my favorite bands of all time is Rose Funeral. Yeah. I think the Resting Sonata is that, probably one of the perfect albums. That's who you guys reminded me a lot of. Yeah. yeah. That was my favorite band. Still one of my favorite bands to the time. And that was the guitar player. His name is Jesse. Mm-hmm. That was his favorite band. So we just wanted, and I remember sitting down in Rob's apartment and being like, dude, we just wanted to be the most evil band in the valley. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what we set out to be. We just want to be evil. We want to be mean. We want the music to be angry. And we want to be aggressive. That whole like other stuff where like these guys were trying to pick fights and anything was never part of like mm-hmm. what I wanted to do with it. You know what I mean? Like that just kind of came with it. You know yeah. what I mean? You get on stage and you're you want to be a scary band, so you put on these things like get the fuck up, you mm-hmm. know, fuck everything that you love, things like that. You yeah. know what I mean? I guess that just kind kind of comes with it. But that was never like our intention. That was never thought about. I guess that just kind of came like with the the image. I guess. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of that music writing was done just to be very melodic deathcore, um, with heavy ass breakdowns. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what we set out to do. And a lot of it, a lot of it got us in a lot of trouble. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got um, we got kicked out of NSN for fighting um, each other. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh my god! So, was this like y'all were playing, or y'all were just no, there? No, we were there. Like we got um, 
we played the first day and I don't know what happened. Like I was at NSN, you know, enjoying, enjoying the, the show. I go back to where our trailer is and everything and there's cops and there's sheriffs and there's deputies and apparently there's a fight between some of the members and yeah, we got escorted off the property and they told us that we couldn't go back for day two. And I was like, are you serious? But all my favorite bands are playing day (laughs) two. So I remember like, did you explain that to them? Yeah. I was like, dude, Chelsea grins tomorrow. Uh, a part of your body is tomorrow. Can I buy a ticket and come back? <laughs> yeah. so, it's like wrestling where you're like, they kick you out. But ah, I've got a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. So that and a lot of uh, a lot of like the a lot of a lot of the best times and some of the worst times I ever had were with that band because we had moderate success as a band. Mm-hmm. We got to play a lot of big shows. We got to play NSN. We got to play the All Star Fest. Where it was like the All Star Fest that, yes. and scream the prayer together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we got to play a lot of big shows with that band. How did that work? Just because, I mean, was it a matter... I don't know if y'all had a lot of music out at that time or um, had some, that the promoters seen y'all play before and thought y'all would be a good addition to the to the show as far as like the All-Star Tour. Yes. Yeah, so, or how did that come together? Just because I was always curious. No, it's because um, we had a really big following in McKellen, but just because, like I said, a lot of these guys were in a single breath, and a single breath was probably one of the biggest local bands in McKellen uh, mm-hmm. around their time. So then when we came on the scene, a lot of those guys really knew people. And that's all the scene in McKellen was. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was who you knew and stuff like that. So when we started playing shows, we were getting a lot of the older crowd that was there for Single Breath. A lot of the newer crowd, too, because, like I said, this was like when you had Whitechapel, Oceano, yeah, so people, Molotov Solution. People wanted to hear people all that wanted, shit. People wanted to hear like very stu- stuff that was very angry, very aggressive. And that was all we were putting out. We just... We put out the right music at the right time, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's probably the best thing, to, the and, best way to put it. And, um, yeah, we had the chance to play All-Star Festival. Of course, we had to, you know, sell tickets, things like that. And I hustled my fucking ass off, bro. Like, not even joking. I went out. I printed T-shirts for us. I would try to give T-shirts away with every ticket that I sold just mm-hmm. so people would feel, like, more inclined to buy a ticket. Um, I was still in high school, so I was uh, going around classrooms like if I was selling fucking chocolate bars mm-hmm. to sell tickets to NSN, anything that I could do to put us to put us on the bill. I, I love hearing this story or these stories because uh, this is such a different perspective than than what we had. Because from our side of the valley, that did not exist. Yeah. But where you guys were, like that was the thing. Like the majority of you guys were all probably in bands. Like. Everybody was into that scene. Everybody was into that music. Majority of the people you knew, you'd know you'd probably see them at the VFW yeah. on a Friday or Saturday night. Yeah. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that, I don't know, camaraderie that like, that was just, that's what you did. So like that you get to play with like the bands that you look, look up to or that yeah. you had the opportunity. Like that must've been amazing, especially when you're still like in high school, 17, 18. No. Yeah. Honestly, like. It's it's such a different time, man. Because like, especially now that like I kind of got back to the music scene with the side of impact, like just the way that you do it now is so different, man. Yes. Like, like I said back then when I was when you know we were promoting bands, I was printing flyers at the library, I was going to the mall, I was literally hanging out outside Hot Topic, um, CD stores, and I was giving out flyers. Yeah. To go to to go to our show, you we, know what I mean. We did that too in Harlingen, oh. and I mean it didn't really work as well, but I mean, I mean. That's the way we did it back then. Yeah, uh, I, I would go to the art walk when that was a thing in McKellen, and I was just hanging out flyers, you know, uh, just trying to get people to go to shows because 
Well, back then that's what that's what you did. You know what I mean? Now it's all like online, like numbers and algorithms. And but stuff yeah, like but people that. don't even people don't even invest the time to do that. Yeah, and like I said, but back then I liked it more because even then it's a, you're on a it's a personal connection. You know what yes. I mean? Like you're you're talking to people who are talking to you face in the face. You know, networking. Yeah, a lot of the stuff now on the internet, like like I'm sure like your stuff gets out there, but like numbers can be inflated, views can be bought. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff like that. It just seems very less organic. That's a, that's a that's a that's a topic of conversation. Something that we probably would take another episode to really get a deep dive in. But it it I always think of this like what is better is this like um, in person like one on one like kind of uh, style of promotion where like you see these bands and they can pull in a big crowd in their hometown. But you look at their online numbers and like streams, not so much. You know, I'll even throw in our our band into that category. You know, we can we can, you know, pack a place or whatever, but nobody gives a shit. Up. Nobody knows who we are. Like our online presence is, is uh, nothing. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's very weird. I mean, like. But then there's bands that like it's the opposite mm-hmm. where maybe they're not pulling that many people here in their hometown. But they have like you know thousands and thousands of streams. What is better? Yeah. And I think the answer is like neither. They're yeah. both good. It yeah. just depends on the band or what yeah. they're looking to get out I, of it. I, I would just as long as I play to a packed room every once in a while, it's cool with me, man. Yeah. You know, I don't care about the online thing. Just perspective. So, so you're in Die Holy Martyr, or what would on the Nightingale floor? On the Nightingale floor, yeah. and so what would have been the band after that? Uh, situations. <laughs> What's the timeline in between those bands? Like a few years? Honestly, I kind of just jump between bands. Okay. So uh, when you went into situations, like mm-hmm. how much had the scene changed just in between that time? Oh, it was it was super different. Right. Well, that was towards the end of the that was towards the end of like the VFW area. So that was towards the end of Deathcore as we knew it. Yeah. And into the Rise Records. Exactly. Kind of yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. that's the best way to put it. Because even even how we're talking about the way like shows were promoted or presented, like even that changed, and I think a lot of it has to deal with like age, right? Yeah. A lot of those people, what what do people do? Like high school, they move, they go to college, they get jobs, they start families, they do. So some people stay in the music scene, some Mm -hmm. people don't, and then you know you have to regenerate the fan base. So I think like going from that band to to situations was like even just a big. It was like practically like night and day. Honestly, it was the biggest shift for me, and I'm pretty sure for everyone that kind of knew me for on the Nightingale floor, they're like, "The fuck are you doing?" This is where it gets interesting though, because I feel like every single band you've in has you've done something different. Like you have a very like you you got a lot of range and diversity that most people don't because. You, you can't compare those previous bands to a band like Situations. And just from the conversations that we've had before, like uh, f- hearing you talk about it, I feel like when in Situations you took on more like um, maybe like, I don't want to say image, but like presentation oh, yeah, was more sure. important, you know, is, is just as important of the music and something that you maybe invested a little bit more into. Yes. So I learned a lot from being in Situations as far as just the I guess the right way to be in a band, on the Nightingale floor was just we're gonna go out there, we're gonna be heavy, and we want to have a pit. And if we had a pit, that was a that success. Was a, yeah. That was a good show for us. Um, in situations, it was totally different. 
in situations it was like an overall thing like what are you gonna wear for the show mm -hmm. um what are we gonna do when we play this song i remember you guys would like like maybe paint like maybe paint like so your arm or when we but like when we first started situations a lot of it was just trying to look like an actual band that people would want to see on stage right. as far as like synchronicity um like image wear and you know just like stage presence we would have practices where we would just work on stage presence we would hear our songs and we would say like, what would be cool if we did this here mm -hmm. or if we did this here you know what i mean and like being a drummer like you there's only so much you can yeah do, you know? but i've always been very like i need people to fucking look at me animated you know I mean? you've always been very animated yeah I've, I've always i always just wanted people to look at me not because like I, I don't know like i feel like it's just an energy that you can't even describe unless you've been on a stage yeah. You know what I mean? When you've been on a stage playing to a room of people and they're going nuts, there's nothing like it. Yeah, and it was super hard for me because our singer at the time was Chris Flores, uh, a Fallen Empire, who's in my head was one of the best vocalists at the time, mm -hmm. who had just his stage presence was crazy. So, yeah, like, he was a really if, good if anyone could, like, notice me over him, I was fucking stoked because, like, that guy just knew how to work a crowd. And same thing with Andrew, same thing with Ono. Like, a lot of it literally was just sitting in in ono's living room hearing our songs on on a on a pa and deciding like we're gonna turn here we'll do this here we'll do stomps here a lot of stuff like that you know what i mean and like people would look at us and be like dude what the fuck that's crazy but like do people want to see a show you know what i mean yeah. like if you want to hear like how a song sounds then you can stay home and hear a record yeah when you go to a show you want to see something that's cool like i want to go to a show and see a band and be like fuck I want to be those guys mm -hmm. or I want to do something like that. You know what I mean? This is where I feel like the scene shifted because I think back in the VFW days, a part of the charm was, was almost like the DIY like culture of like, these are all like, like no gimmicks necessary. Yeah, like exactly. they we're just going to play angry, heavy music. And then once that died down, I feel like that's where it became where people's attention spans, maybe they're a little bit smaller, shorter. And now like people's time is very valuable and their money's valuable too. Yeah. So if I'm going to go watch a band, I want to know that I got my money's worth. So I want to go, like, even if I'm going to a local show, I want to see a band. And when I see them, like, this is like a signed band or like, how is this band local? Yeah. They should, they should be on this record label. Like this band, is a real band. Yeah. Not just, you know, a, a amateur local band. There's a big difference. Yeah. And like, it's like I said, like with situations, it was such a drastic shift for me. Man. I'm surprised I even like survived that because I went from being on Nightingale Floor. I was playing blast beats and breakdowns for fucking four songs. Yeah. And that was it. When I joined situations, they're playing to a click track. They're playing harder patterns, like on the kick drum, which is like, has always been like super hard for me. I'm like, my weakest part of the drums has always been my feet, um, like playing like triplet patterns and, you know, splitting up patterns. And that's literally all situations was. So when I got there, uh, Andrew, who's like essentially like my band husband now, <laughs> everything that I've done in the last like seven years has been with him. We would sit down. He would show me riff by riff, like what the songs were so yeah. I could play it. He would get my drumsticks and play the rhythm, play the, the rhythm on the snare so I could get it. And we would be there like after practice, just helping me out. And... Like I said, I'd never played to a click before. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, what is this? I don't know how to count myself in. You know, I it was it was such a sh like such a shift for me. It was insane. But like I said, that taught me how to be like probably the best drummer that I am now. 
Um, I want to make sure that we have enough time to to talk about the band that you're in now, and that's a side of impact. So yeah. you did the situation things for for a few years. How did you find yourself in the side of impact? The same the same way. So <laughs> like honestly, like on, like I've never like made any band that I was in. It's always kind of just like, hey man, like we like the way you play drums. You want to play drums for us? So like I said, I was in I was in situations with Andrew. Then after situations, kind of, you know, we took a break because people were having kids, people were going to school. Andrew uh, was asked to join the side of Impact. So Andrew was in the side of Impact for months before I was I was ever in it. And then I guess, like, they lost their drummer. And then Andrew hit me up. Hey, man, like, um, the side of Impact needs a drummer, and I, wa- I want you to play. Like, would you would you fill in? And I was like, of course, dude. Like, you know, like, I as for at first, I was just doing it because Andrew's my, my fucking boy. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, dude, like, yeah, no problem. And then it became like, oh, dude, well, like, now you're, like, the drummer for the band. And then I got added to the group chat, and that was it. There you go. <laughs> I, was, I was in the band. Now, uh, that's that's something that interests me, okay? So, like, is it is it challenging to... Or what is it like to jump into a pre-existing band? Because I, 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 I don't have that experience because I've been playing with these guys, like, forever. Your entire life, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what it's like to be in another band. So, like... Um, like when you come into uh, another band, as, as far as your drumming, are you trying to change? Are you trying to change your drumming to what they've already done? Are you trying to add your own stuff? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, my my main thing with drums has always been I just want to play drums to have a good time. You know what I mean? Like I know I'm not the most technically sound drummer out there, so everything that I play is just because I know that I can play and I know it's gonna sound fun. And when it comes to the side of impact, I want to say I was. A little bit more just, I guess, guess, kind of intimidated because these guys had more of, like, a radio rock sound. And it was stuff that was very, like, you know, pocket grooves, things like that. And I just didn't want to get, like, too crazy or make it make it sound to where it just, like, it's it like was, a mess. It was still probably an easier transition from situations to Side of Impact versus on the Naughty Gill floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. To Side of Impact, you know what I mean? No, yeah, it was. <laughs> but, like, it was different. Like, with the Side of, with, like, situations, it was like, man, I got to be a better drummer. And then with the side of impact is like, man, I need to know how to make this song sound good without yeah. doing too much. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, I guess it was hard for me. It, but you have to do what serves the song. Exactly. Not, you're not trying to, to, to show off. Like it's, yeah. if you need to pull it back a little bit, you pull it back. If you need to sh- maybe do a little bit more, you do a little bit more. And, um, the reason I asked that is because the the stuff that you've showed me, um, your newer stuff that mm-hmm. you guys haven't released, I hear a big difference in in what they used to be into what they are now, and I I, I think you know a good portion of that is because you're playing with them because the guy the, the stuff you guys are doing mm-hmm. uh, I don't know I'm assuming it's by design but it's way heavier yeah than than the stuff that that they've been doing before like you said it was kind of a radio more radio rock kind but, of thing yeah like the parts are way heavier more grooves it's still got the, the the melodic stuff the catchy stuff you all do it very well but it's it's definitely heavier yeah so with that a lot of the writing is done through uj who's also like an amazing guitar player that guy is insane but i know i had told him i i when we had talked about me joining the band i had said like look um you guys know how you, oh, you guys obviously know how i play drums mm-hmm. um a lot of it is very just high energy high intensity type stuff but just because that's what I like to do, like, yeah. like that's how I like to to play drums, I like to have fun. I like to play a song that's gonna people are gonna be into. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know how much they took, a, how much of that they took into consideration. But after that, I started showing UJ like 
some bands that I would like, some bands that I thought he would be into too, like Kane Hill, mm-hmm. bands like that. And that's when we started writing a lot of the other stuff. So uh, they, I joined the band right before Venom. And then after that, we have two new songs coming out that I guess were written having me behind the kit, like in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, one called Unrealistic that we're going to release a video for. And then one called Ideal Life that is going to be a single that are just equally as heavy. But I think it's one of those things where like, you know, you're in a band with four people and you try to you try to do your best to get everyone to have their own, I guess, so everyone has their own mesh of what it is. And, and play off each other's strengths. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm a very, like... So, UJ is a really good guitar player. He can play leads. He can make solos. He can do a lot of things. He's, you know, super talented. Moises is an insane vocalist. Yeah, he's very good. He's, his cleans are, are uh, unmatched, in my opinion. Yeah, he's really, um, really good. Aaron's a great, Aaron's a great bass player. Andrew's a really good uh, guitar player. And when it comes to me, like I said, I just want to play stuff that's fast, that's fast-paced, that's good, that, you know, I can have fun too. And I would hope that that would give UJ more more freedom when he's writing, when he's writing riffs to be well, like, you know what, I feel like I feel like there's more that we can do to this now that Hector's in the band. You know what I mean? And I think that's good, because I think we talked about this briefly last week on Friday mm-hmm. after we stopped the podcast. Yeah. But I was talking to you about how, because you showed us briefly some of the new stuff, yeah, yeah. And, and I was really stoked about it. And it's, it's definitely a change up, but I think it's good. Because it's a it's it's heavier, but it's still got that crossover. And right now we're doing you know as far as like, I my my example to you is like if you listen to like XM radio and you listen to like the radio station Octane. Yeah. So I mean a lot of bands are doing kind of the more genty kind of riffs. Yeah. I mean you've got bands even like bands like Pop Evil doing some more genty riffs or, or fuck even Papa Roach in the last few years has done some more kind of genty riffs, and people dig that. You know, when I've gone to, like, some of the last few, like, River City Rock Fest in mm-hmm. San Antonio, and just to go see, like, a handful of bands, but, like, a lot of, like, the more, like, radio rock-friendly bands are doing that, and people are going nuts for it because people want something heavier, but that they'll still be able to tolerate. Yeah. Because people don't want to be fucking yelled at, but, I mean, they're, they're, they're about heavy-ass riffs with clean vocals. Yeah, see, and, like, and I think, for me, it was always the heavier your riffs are, the way more melodic your chords are going to be. Cause it's such a it's such a huge change, like I said, and like Moises can do that. He has like this voice that's very like, it's just so radio rock, but his screams are just so good too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Very like, clean. Everything yeah. he does is clean. yeah. So like, and it's it's weird to to be in a band where you can have that type of range, you know? Because we can go from like one measure of having like this crazy ass breakdown. And the next measure would have like the catchiest chords. You it's, know what I mean? It's cool it's to weird. have that, but I would be very overwhelmed because I'm kind of like in one mindset when it comes to my band. Yeah. That I want to keep it a certain way. The most Alvir in my songs is like our song Untitled, where yeah. uh, you know I actually just kind of sing the whole song for the most part. That's the most like I wanted to veer from. Like I, I think I even flat out told the band, "This is the only song where I'm gonna do this. I don't want to do this again." Like. Not because I hated it, but just because that song was built to be that way. I cannot keep doing that. Like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not me. And I don't really like a lot of clean singing, to be honest. I, I prefer to, like, scream. Yeah. Or just do my, like, whispering shit that I do. But I mean, like, that's just me. Yeah. But I mean, like, if you have it, if you have that kind of voice where you can do that and you've got that, you know... Um, range that range you've got that mindset of how to like, arrange those kinds of songs with all that stuff in mind then fuck yeah but to me i don't have that range so i don't do it but i'm okay with that because i like what we do that's something where where bands like that um in that style um they're able to do the heavy riffs but where they lack is 
the the catchy choruses. Yeah, that's our favorite time is you know the late 90s everybody had a catchy chorus yeah. but nowadays that's kind of lost like like pe- maybe people don't like spend as much time on that but that's some that's that's an area where you guys excel because everything he sings to me has a good like melody has a good like it's it's memorable yeah so that's where you guys uh you guys found a nice like little like pocket like just very like snug like this is this is your style and and y'all just made it better by getting heavier so it's 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 good and um nick do you have any like um we're kind of winding down here do you have any like questions you want to ask like about the bands um i have like a whole bunch but i feel like it would take too much yeah i want to i want to spend more time on this next time i wanted to spend more time on situations uh, and I wanted to spend more time on the side of impact. Yeah. So it sucks because I knew this was gonna, I knew this was gonna fucking happen. I was on my way back home from work and I was like, "We're not gonna be able to fit all this." No, <laughs> and we'll definitely do a, a, a second part. We'll 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 kind of expand on some of these things. What is it okay if I ask you like a few random questions? Yeah, of course. Go for it. Before, before you do, really yeah. quick, I just want to know. Um, so, what when you? When you all decide when COVID's not a thing anymore yeah. and shows are back, um, what's the ideal place you want to play down here? Do you know, <laughs> anywhere. Anywhere. It's been so long since I've been on a stage, man. That I just want it anywhere that they'll ask us to play. I'll more than gladly take. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like, like before, like I said, like before, like when I wanted to play shows, I wanted to play to like a packed room. Yeah. Now I just want to play anywhere. Anywhere, like no matter where it is. I want to go out there and I want to have fun. You know yeah. what I mean? No, I back That's it. basically what I want to do. I back it, man. Um, yeah, I just figure like we've talked about the bands. Like let's let's shift the focus to you. Like like, like these are kind of like rapid fire. You, yeah, go for it. Yeah, you know, just you can expand if you want to. But uh, I I think the 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 obvious one favorite wrestler of all time. Yeah, <sighs> I know this is hard. Uh, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels or Jeff Hardy. Those are two good two picks. Good sexy boy and <laughs> sexy boy. And sexy boy. And charismatic <laughs> enigma. And drug boy. I think uh, people's favorite wrestler. You can tell a lot about like that person by their favorite wrestler, and Who I totally yours? get it. Uh, it's a toss up. CM Punk, Stone Cold. Same for me. Half and half. So, but I very telling. And and Shawn Michaels, one of the best. I think he's the best wrestler of all time. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably I'll right. put him the, over Ric Flair. The, the David Lee Roth of wrestling. Um favorite movie. Favorite movie? One of your favorite movies. That's a hard one too. Detroit Rock City. Great fucking movie. That's I love that. a good choice. Movie. Detroit yeah. Rock City or Grind. The skateboarding Another movie. Another great fucking movie. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Sweet Lou. Yeah. <laughs> These are good. Uh this one comes from one of your friends. Uh what is your favorite tattoo? My favorite tattoo? Uh probably the cover of I'm getting on my arm right now. There you go. By Oliver Graves. You got to hit him up. He's good. And also, Vanna did this one, which is also my... Oh, fuck. Every, any tattoo that I got done at Lionheart Tattoos is my favorite tattoo. I can't Shout bet. out to the... Dude, it's, yeah, you name-dropped Oliver Graves last yeah. time, so I went and looked up his stuff. And so when I gave her... I, I'm thinking about hitting him up for my next one whenever I get one. Yeah, he's super good. And Vanna is his, apprent- is his apprentice. And she did this one on my arm. And she did this sick one on my thigh. So those are... Those are all my favorites, honestly. Nice. Dang, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Nick, do you have one? My favorite tattoo? Uh, I was going to say a question, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Your favorite oh, tattoo. My favorite tattoo is probably... The, 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 uh, the juggalo you have on your the, back? I have, a, I have this portrait of Violent J 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, the one I have here of the skeleton with the Hawaiian shirt doing the devil horns holding a beer mug. That's sick. That's probably my favorite one. That that, that beats mine. Yeah, that one's my favorite. Which is you. That's me. It's a <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best. Uh, okay, here's one. Um, what is a band that most people... I don't want to say guilty pleasure, but what's a band that people would be surprised to find out that you like? I'm really into uh, 90s trance music. There so there's this band called The Real McCoy that have hits like Runaway and Another Night. And I love the I love that. And also this band called The Midnight. They're like very like 80s, like synth pop stuff. And I'm in love with that yeah, band too. Um, so, but also like a band, like probably my favorite band that not a lot of people would know uh, is Cold. Oh, um, that's yeah. right. Year, Year of the Spiders, probably like my number one album of Cure all time. Yeah, I fucking love that album. That's a great album. Dude, I remember buying the CD when I was in sixth grade. And they, you know, it used to come with the the spider tattoo, like like a like yeah. yeah. And so like I put it on my door. <laughs> it was so fucking. Cool. No, yeah, I Cold Year of the Spider is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite album of all time. Probably only second to Hybrid Theory. Great, great, yeah. great picks. And in mm-hmm. in uh, my ninth grade year, I had uh, like an English lit class, and one of our assignments was uh, to read um, fucking um romeo and juliet but yeah. to create um a mixtape yeah uh um based around that story uh-huh. and uh you know people picked fucking lame ass songs but one of the songs i picked was cure my tragedy from fucking yeah. cold and it was very very awkward and that- strange because <laughs> <laughs> we had to make everybody listen to it in class and that, that i i i like had to rethink that maybe this was not a good idea in my head this was a badass idea no, yeah but this is kind of weird this is a depressing song i i love i love cold i love that i got to see him when they came down here to the fart event center i regret not going and uh i got to meet scooter and i got to talk to him and dude honestly like that was probably one of just the best times ever but dude 13 ways to bleed on stage also super good super I, fiction is super good I, that band is good i feel like i've listened to 13 ways to bleed on stage more than um, Year of the Spider, but when I was younger, I was all about Year of the Spider. But like now, as an adult, I'm like full blown Thirteen Ways to Bleed on stage. <laughs> I get you. No, but yeah, great band. I love that band. Fucking awesome, man! Uh, everybody, go listen to Cold. Um, <laughs> like before, before we end, I just want to like say again, like, like I said, like you guys were the first people I ever met through music, and it's like I said, like, and I've had nothing but mad respect and love for you guys ever since I've seen you at every show with no matter what band I've been in. No matter where I was playing, I always came up to you guys. I always told you guys that you guys are the shit. So just to come back here, which is insane, like to meet you guys playing music when I was 14 to talking about it now at 29, Dude, yeah, it, man. Fu- it fucking mean, blows my mind. And it, But again, it's like the coolest thing ever because, I, like I said, like I got nothing but mad love for everything that you guys have done since then, you know, even though like we played shows to five people, like to, <laughs> to where we are now. Like, regardless, people people probably won't think it's, like, an accomplishment, but, dude, we've been through some fucking shit. Yeah, and, and that's what we talked about briefly, is, like, people don't know what it's like to play in front of a handful of people, but also, it's, like, I've always been super stoked for you, because you've always been such a nice guy, and you've gone on to be in some pretty, like, impressive bands, um, playing. And no, no ego. Either. No, and, like, you were, you've always been super humble, and, like, I, w- I would see you play a show to a packed room, and then you'd come up and be like... Do you burn this day? You know what I mean? It's like it's like wow, I'm not even in that band anymore. You know what I mean? But no, like, it's yeah. so cool that you would do that. You for you to do that, and I think I, I wish there was more people like that. And I actually I think there's a lot of people like that, 
but um, you've definitely been one of the more outstanding individuals in the scene that we've met in our time frame, and you've always been very fucking kind, and it's always been a blast talking to you, and, and I want to do it more. Like, like, fuck. Like, I'm so mad that we didn't get to talk more about everything, but it's okay. There'll be next time. Yeah, so we all need to aspire to be more like Hector. Be like Hector, guys. Uh, for Nick, Hector, and myself, this has been The Fiends Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Later. Later. Later.